Welcome back to the official podcast for Heresy Hunters. I'm Micah, and I'm super excited to continue our series on covering the charismatic movement. And yes, we'll be covering a very, very, very important topic, which is speaking things into existence, drawing things by your positive thinking and prayers, etc. Um, so we're going to address that topic right now. And the quick answer to the question is speaking things into existence, a biblical concept is speaking things, going to bring forth um, uh things that aren't there to physically be there because of our positive thinking and the way that we um, really just the way that we desire things or the way that we um, call them out by name. Um, The quick answer to that question, it's absolutely not. Not a biblical concept at all. Nowhere in scripture does it say that if we think hard enough, if we desire it hard enough or if we confess it with our mouth, that we will 100% receive what we confess, which, again, it has to do with positive confessions. Now, we've heard this by many um, heretical teachers, um, but where did this even come from in the first place? And and that's where it gets really tricky um, because there's many occasions of many teachers, um, they use positive thinking and speaking things into existence. And then we get into new thought and new age and etc. But really what we need to understand is that the new age teaching and new thought teaching of the law of attraction has truly infiltrated the church in a way that Honestly, I can't even fathom uh, many of this, many of the word of faith teachers and many people in the charismatic movement as well have adopted um, this law of attraction. Matter of fact, even books have been written by uh, this law or people adapting this law into um, Christianity. I mean, there's been books like uh, the law of attraction and how it relates to Abraham. And things like that, very heretical books that just are destroying and ransacking the church. And what we need to understand is that the law of attraction is heretical. The law of attraction is a new age teaching. Matter of fact, a very well-known new age teacher, Mary Morrissey, the law of attraction, according to her, is this. Now, and I quote, the ability to attract into your life whatever you focus on the law of attraction works when you tune your thoughts and actions to the frequency that's in harmony with what you desire huh isn't that interesting there's a couple of things that she mentions is it requires you to attract into your life having the ability to attract into your life things that you think about and then it says that you need to tune your thoughts and actions to the frequency um, that is in harmony with your desire. So that means that if you desire a Bentley, you need to have positive thinking and saying, I am going to see myself in a Bentley um, two years from now. I declare prosperity over my life. And that is exactly what many people believe to be the truth. However, when we look at scripture, we see that that is nowhere promised and it's actually nowhere at all a biblical concept. 
but quite the opposite. That God alone brings forth things out of nothing. That is exactly how he created the universe. And many teachers say, well, exactly, since God created the universe out of nothing and we are like God because we were made in his image, then that automatically means that we can create things and make things into existence. However, the fallacy in that statement is that, yes, we were made in the image of God. We were image bearers of God. However, we are not God. <laughs> According to God, we're just grasshoppers. He considers his grasshoppers here on earth. Yes, we're made in his image, but we are significantly less. We are completely and utterly independent of him and his power. We do not have power in and ourselves. We need him. Yes, we are image bearers, and the way that we hold, hold his image and emotion and um. <clears throat> And in desire, and we have uh, God-given um, intelligence and consciousness. However, when it pertains to power and majesty and glory, our triune God alone is the one that holds all of those attributes. We can't, we do not possess them at all. There's no way that a Christian can speak something into existence. It's nowhere in scripture. But, of course, many would say, well, no, of course we can. And they will use many verses that I'm about to bring up. And I want you to be really be equipped. I'm going to bring these verses with the context. So if you're listening and these are your go-to verses to support this heretical claim, let me just warn you really quickly that the teaching of speaking things into existence is not backed up by Scripture at all. It is a heretical teaching that is destroying the church. And we need to repent and trust on his word alone. We need to go back to sola scriptura. It is very important for us to focus on the Bible alone. Mark 11 verse 24 is what most people go to, which says, quote, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have it, and it will be yours, end quote. That is obviously Jesus speaking in Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Now then the question is, me taking that verse, does it nullify the rest of the narrative of scripture? Absolutely not. Because Jesus was clearly talking to his people, right? He's clearly talking about those who already believe, those who already are called by his name, those who are already his. Now he's not talking about anyone that could desire something or anyone that could speak something then they will receive it and have it. Now, the, f the first point that we have to understand is that this passage needs to be taken in account to the rest of the scripture at its context. I mean, think about 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. What does that say? Quote, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to what? Our will? Our positive thinking? Our desires? No. No, not at all. According to his will, he hears us. Not anything that your heart desires, but what accords to his will, right? So then you see that passage in 1 John 5, 14, and then you see Jesus saying in Mark eleven twenty four 24, that 
whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have it and it will be yours. But see, what he's referring to here is obviously in Mark 11, he's talking about faith. That we require faith to be able to receive. Why? Because we must believe that he can give it to us. That's different than obviously in 1 John where he's literally saying that this is the confidence that we now have that he is going to listen and he will give according to his will, right? So Mark 11 is talking about the fact that we must possess faith, not so our prayer may be answered in the will that we desire it, but that our prayer would be answered because we believe that Christ would grant it. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference there? On the verse, people, you know, on this verse, people often cite it and they're trying to they're trying to really convince people that you can speak things into existence. But obviously, that's not the point. I mean, when we go back, um, when we go back literally a verse before uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus is literally giving an example of us being able to move mountains by our faith. Right? So, I'll tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't mention the idea of speaking a mountain into existence, does he? No, he doesn't. He says for our faith to move mountains is imagery for us to focus on the fact that our faith is very important when it pertains to prayer. Because our faith, our confidence is literally in, it's literally what not not what really makes God act because God acts and does what he pleases but if we do not have, have faith really it just shows that we don't trust him enough to, to to grant our petition so then what that's worthless I mean then we read uh, James chapter 1 and it's very clear that we shouldn't be double-minded but we should have faith that God would give us um, what we ask him it's part of trust right it has nothing to do with a condition where we must have faith, and because we didn't have faith, that's why we didn't receive the healing. That's why we didn't, we didn't re uh, receive that Bentley. No, it, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, was it God's will, and did you pray with faith, right? Because God's will isn't for us to prosper. God's will isn't for us to be successful and have a Bentley. God's will for our lives is to know him and to be known by him. That's literally God's will. And for us to glorify him in everything that we do. That is his will for us. And he mentions so many other wills. Our sanctification. Us to go and share the gospel. There's many things that he has called his will. And we must not pretend that we know what his will is. By saying, well, his will must be this. No. See, then another passage that most people like to bring, and it's often out of context, and it really, really, really gets me so annoyed, um, is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. If you use that passage to justify that we are called, or rather, that that is a proof text that we can speak things into existence, just stop. Honestly, like that, it really just doesn't make sense. And this is what Proverbs eighteen twenty one says. We've all heard it. Yep. Quote: Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Ah oh, man, I, I think I face palms so hard right now just reading this because it just I can already hear 
people using this passage. Honestly, guys, like I've I've heard this a hundred times. Like I've talked to people time and time again that use these passages, and they they really just do not know how to properly exegete a passage or just use basic hermeneutics um, to just really understand a passage. Um, and it's taken out of context way too often. But obviously, as we see this proverb, we see that the context is that we the only power that we have in our words is to either tear someone tear someone down or lift them up. Like when we look at the the uh, the passage in Proverbs, it's very clear. We either tear people down by our words or we lift them up. That was the whole point of the proverb. That was the entire point of the proverb. Um, not that we have some sort of supernatural power to bring forth things into existence. It is not at all the context of the passage, but it talks about our tongue and being a deadly poison, just like James as well speaks of it, that our tongue can either encourage our brothers and sisters or it can tear them apart. And that is the importance of that passage, that we need to be mindful of what we speak and the things that we say to people because we can either uplift them or destroy them. That has nothing to do with positive confession or the law of attraction or speaking things into existence or attracting things into your life. No, it doesn't. It is not at all what the passage is speaking about. And we need to be clear on that. And we need to stand up for that. Let's, let's really read the word and acknowledge that God alone, not you, not me. God alone is creator of all things. And is the only one who can speak things into existence. I mean, and I and I always and I always uh, start thinking. I mean, Lamentations is like an amazing book. It's one of my top favorite books because it's so overlooked, right? But you know, there is a really amazing rhetorical question in Lamentations, where our sovereign Lord literally says, "Quote Lamentations chapter three verse thirty-seven. He says this: Who has spoken?" And it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it. Meaning, who has spoken anything and it's came to pass? No one, <laughs> right? Unless the Lord has commanded it. Like, the only way for us to speak anything, right? To speak anything at all, is not even by our own, like, power, but is by the fact that the Lord has commanded it to be so. So that's so incredible for us to understand that God is sovereign and in control over all things, and over all things he reigns. And that should excite you, that should get you fired up, that our sovereign Lord is powerful enough to speak things into existence and to make things that are not there to be there. And that is solely him, not you. Think about it. When did you hear about someone ever speaking a flower or a bird or a creature into existence? No one. The only thing that we speak into existence is a bad time. <laughs> that's all. When we, we either encourage someone or we tear them down. That's all, that's all we do with our words. And we praise God and we glorify him. And at the same time, and it should not be so, like it says in James, we curse men with the same mouth that we praise God. So we need to really understand the whole narrative of Scripture. We, before we start saying 
nonsense and silliness that is really not found in God's word, but is all found in teachings that aren't even Christian, guys, aren't even Christian in the first place. We need to really go back, man, to to um, God's word and God's word alone. Sola Scriptura. We need to go back there, man, because honestly, what we have right now is a bunch of emotional nonsense that stems not from the word of God, but from the flesh. So it really it really gets me fired up. So I, I I'm sorry, but it's one of those things where, you know, I, I speak to so many things so many people, I'm sorry, and honestly it's always the same stuff. Always the same verses, always the same thoughts. You know, and another thing, you know, I mean and I've heard this so many times where someone coughs and they say, Man, I think I'm getting sick and there's always that one person coming out of nowhere and saying, don't speak that, don't speak that. If you speak that, it's going to happen. That's not, that's not good. Like, don't speak that into existence. Like, if you, you know, like, if you say that you're sick, you're going to end up being sick. It's like, no. We need to understand that God alone heals and he alone brings infirmity. That comes from him. Do you think it's some kind of accident? No, I don't. It's clear in Scripture in Isaiah that God is the one who heals. God is the one who slays. God is the one who's in control over all things. Do you think it's some kind of coincidence that you didn't protect yourself enough not to get, you know, not to get sick or whatever the case may be? That you could take all the precautions in the world and you would still be sick because God has ordained you to be in a sick bed. Period. That happened to my grandfather. He didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do any of that. He still got cancer and he still died. He took precautions. See, when it's your day, it's your day. When the Lord has decided that that's the last breath that you'll have, that is the last breath that you're going to have. And that's sad, but it's true. No amount of positive thinking, not, no amount of negative thinking will thwart the, pro, the, or thwart the complete and utter decree and sovereignty of our lord that is what he has preordained there's no 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 amount of positive confession that could change that at all so we need to really understand who god is and that's 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 the bottom line so um so let's really acknowledge this let's really pray for our friends and our family that really believe uh this teaching um, and let's correct, rebuke, um, and let's uh, speak the word in love and uh, really correct this, uh, this false teaching because it's really prevalent and many are being led astray. Matter of fact, and before I, before I close, I forgot about this one until um, just, it just came to my mind right now. But I remember having a conversation with a young lady and she, was, she told me because she was saying how um, you know, we can speak things into existence and we attract things by what we speak and, you know, and depends on your righteousness. And if you're, if you're righteous, then, you know, righteous things will come your way, etc. And she was a Christian, guys. She was a Christian. She was, she claimed to be a Christian. She, you know, raised in a Christian home. And the interesting part is that then she co goes and quotes Job and he says, well, Job literally got what he spoke. He, he spoke disaster over his life, so that's what he received. That's blasphemy. 
No, that's blasphemy. Job didn't speak his disaster upon himself. That's blasphemy. Not at all. That's, I mean, you just have to read the first chapter to understand that, right? That obviously Satan is coming up to God and he's literally telling him that the only reason why he serves him, the only reason why Job serves God is because God has not taken everything away from him. And then God grants permission to Satan to have his bidden. So, I'm sorry, where where did Almighty Job decide to say, I am advocating disaster on myself because I did not have faith? And then God was up there in the clouds being like, oh no, I'm going to have to do something before Job decides to get too powerful and and decide to like start claiming and making things into existence and started becoming like me so i'm gonna have to take everything he has because uh, i think he's starting to realize that he's his the, the power in his words are too mighty if you believe in a guy like that you believe in an idol not the god of the bible so i pray that god opens your eyes and your heart to the truth of scripture and again guys um that's all i have to say about this topic i think it's very clear i don't think that it's something that we have to waste so much time in um there's no way to look at the scriptures and reconcile such heretical teaching. So I pray that this is encouraging, that this drives you to understand that if you take a stance in sola scriptura, you're standing in solid ground, my friend. You're, sta you're standing in solid ground. Solid ground. See, because many people, including people that um, take these passages that we just went through and um, take them out of context... Guess what kind of ground they're building upon? On the sand, my friend, on the sand. And all it takes is a little bit of exegesis, a little bit of hermeneutics to show and crash this whole doctrine in the ground. Because honestly, it really is not backed up by the rest of scripture. So let's go back to the Bible. <laughs> let's go back to the original way of the original way that we were supposed to be living this life, right? We, should, we need to go back to the Reformation, guys. We need to be, go back to um, to the mindset that we should continue to keep reforming, right? To continue to keep understanding the Word in its context and let the Word of God be the ultimate and the ultimate standard for all doctrine, right? Because that is the definition of sound doctrine, anything that corresponds to godliness and that is in the Word and it corresponds to the teachings of Christ. So I hope this was a, um, <clears throat> I hope this was an encouragement to you. I hope that uh, that you are able to share this maybe with a friend or tell other people to listen to this because maybe it would bless them. Um, so I appreciate everyone that's listening to this podcast. It's, so, it's been such a blessing to see um, the encouragement and the support. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited uh, to continue to. Uh, Go on with the series a little bit more and then can continue with a different series that I have planned. Um, so I'm super excited. And you, if you guys have any suggestions, please message me on Instagram. Uh, anything that you guys want me to cover or anything that you guys would love to hear about. Um, I've been super encouraged by you guys. Um, thank you so much. And um, I pray that you would continue uh, to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened and that you continue uh, to walk towards Christ and that the Holy Spirit drives you into all truth for his glory and his glory alone. All right. Thank you so much for listening 
And I pray that you have a blessed week. And Lord willing, uh, I'll have another podcast the week following of this release. And like always, God bless you and happy hunting.